Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy podcast. And t- tonight is me, Christopher, with the long-lost other Christopher. Yeah, that's me. I've strengthened the bindings on my bones, I've renewed my soul jar, and somehow I pulled myself back together. It's uh, been, been a while since you've been on. The various reasons that we're not going to go into. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush, okay? <laughs> I suck with computers and Discord, and the fact that I'm calling all technology computers, which, you know, the quotation mark, that should tell you all you need to know. So, Chris, what have you been doing hobby-wise lately? I've actually finished a rat. A dope rat. Impressive for me, because that's, no lie, the first miniature I've actually niched this year. And when this is actually released, it should be up on the Instagram as well. And other than that, I've been working on a on finishing an old diorama and uh, prepping for a new painting challenge, which went live yesterday at time of recording. Yes. Yes, it did. What have you been doing in your absence? I wish I had like a list of things. I go up, well, you see, first I finished off my corpse card, and then I did a mortis throne, but I didn't. I have not done very much. I have learned a new way of painting elves, so you can call me Krelf, I guess. And we had a vote on Instagram. Is the new way of painting elf uh, a commission painter by any chance? It should be, but I'm the kind of person who refuses to learn anything new and just relentlessly stick to my guns, thinking I will magically improve without looking at anyone else. But I, I did photograph a tree that has autumn colors today, so that's all the inspiration I need, right? Now I can do autumn elves. Yep. Is that not how it works? Either that, or you could just roll them in white glue and then roll them in uh, appropriately colored flock. God, there's probably someone who did that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there is. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. No, actually, uh, we had a on Instagram so I asked should I do my wood elves in autumn winter or summer and the end result was autumn which is one thing I did not prepare to do so I'm gonna do my wood elves for autumn so the 2019 and 2018 December challenge for me is gonna be actually getting somewhere with my wood elves and what I've done in the meanwhile is I've prepared my corpse cart because I just want to have a corpse cart and some renewer models for my undead army so I'm gonna do a necromancer and a corpse cart and I actually realized I have to do it today or tomorrow because then I'm I'm going away for a while and doing some family stuff. So, be, oh yeah, and I also might have bought more vampires. I just love old vampire sculpts. You got so many vampires that you even sent some to me by mistake and not re- even realizing it. That's the thing about be playing from Karstein. It's like you always have some Woodward cousin coming out, getting shot down for the end times. I swear to God, it's like natural selection at this point. Hey, can you lead my army of only zombies into the empire and like take over the world? Sure can, Uncle Conrad. <laughs> Problem sorted. But wait, I did something else, didn't I? Yes, yes, for Pete's sake. I finished up my unit of Graveguards. So I now have 20 Graveguards plus a filler. And I did a BSB. So now I can actually play a functional Vampire Counts army. Okay, so we're going to go through my 1,000 points of 6th edition Escalation League army. Mm-hmm. And I've put some thought into it. Cursory thought. And the thematic choice that I've gone for is Blood Dragons. But we're going to go through that now. It's uh, your segment. You're the brains of the outfit, so I'm just going to go for you. I've put together 1,000 points of Vampire Counts, 6th edition. 1,000 point army. Uh, I had to redo it twice because first I did a 1,500 point vampire count list, which we're going to go through after this one just to see what I'm going to build up towards. 
And because Chris told me that, no, Christopher, you cannot have a Lord choice in anything less than 2,000 points, which was a good indication for me. Yeah. Because uh, that meant I had to redo like 500 points of my Vampire Lord. So thematically, what I've done is that this is a foray of Johan the Bloody. And Johan the Bloody is, is the vassal Lord of Eric von Karstein who is my sort of character avatar for this part of the Border Princess that we're playing. Basically, Johan is the hard-handed enforcer who goes into all the serfdoms and townships and basically tells them all to come to the castle and give them their blood. Mm -hmm. The basic idea is that Eric von Karstein, who's a vassal lord, who has, if we all remember, a river and a village and a forest. <laughs> Mighty is his holdings. Principally, Eric has recognized that it's a bad business to have your thralls be constantly threatened by chaos, ratmen, goblins. So he's actually spreading a certain net of protection and extending some safety towards his uh, impoverished townspeople. So I've just written some short bread text here. And if you don't like the grating sound of my skeletal voice, you can just speed through it for me. Maybe, I guess, one and a half minutes. The dead may walk and rise from their graves, and abundant canines and avians of the forest of the Badlands may chase the occasional strayed child. But it's not for naught that the remaining living inhabitants pay courtesy to the vassal lords who claim loose dominion of these Badlands. The agreement is quite simple in nature. Those who dwell within the reaches of the twisted hand of Eric and his landmasters pay obeisance to him. In blood, in truth, more than gold. Youths are allowed to serve in his castle, for whom better to appreciate the beauty of the fleeting than those who have seen so many years of naught but death and decay. And I chosen few even return. Some educated, and now in financial means to marry. Others, and it should be truth, many do not return at all. A part, in bone and blood, of that dynasty who exerts some protection. But it does ensure unto those who remain a certain amount of protection from the dangers that exist in these horrendous badlands. Little is the disorganized ruin visited upon those living. A tangible example that recently took place not less than five years ago was the incursion of the green-skinned lord Grisgas de Horn. After defying the alderman, warning him that the domains herein are ruled by Eric the Bloody, the orc suddenly found himself beset on all sides, wolves harrying his gnoblings, bats going to destroy his machines, and upon reaching the river of still death, an unpleasant surprise to find that within these watery torrents rose regiments of the undead, rising to fight him. Much as he might relish a challenge, even the orc recognized that death was all he would find in this land. So, attempting to flee back, not came from the forest, but the undead skeletal steeds of Johan the Bloody, the hard-handed enforcer of Eric, his blood-red armor eager to prove once more how he earned his mark. And such things are but natural in the old world. So the inhabitants go to bed, lock their doors, and find themselves lucky to be protected. Never question why an occasion of force does reach them despite all of this, or why they are forced to be grateful for not more than another day of living. But Eric knows the truth. All grand farmers do. Shattle are best kept calm, for in that manner they will give you what you want without any undue stress. So that's basically Johan the Bloodied is basically like a sheriff of Nottingham to the vassal lord Eric von Karstein. Johan, and I'm going to go out on a limb, Chris, I don't think he's going to live long. <laughs> so I've made like a stable roster of characters who all have the, like a basic bear story. Just like if you play Crusader Kings, it's like, this is Johan. This is what he did so far. And then I have a future Lord version of him if he lives that long. But if any of my characters die, then they're dead. I'm just going to like roll for them on the damage chart. And if they're dead, they're dead. And we have to roll up summon. Well, that's basically how this when you make a new character in uh, Total War as well. Oh yeah, Total War Crusader Kings. So for my thousand point list, I chose to go with the bloodlines called the Blood Dragons. 
the Blood Dragons are basically the most martial of them. So there are a lot of former knights. They go for duels. And the tangible benefits they get is they get plus two weapon skill from their base profile. Uh, a lord and a count, which is my lord choices, obviously, so I can't have them right here, can cast magic in full plate. And the lords and counts actually always come with full plate, which is a uh, five plus save, right, Chris? Or is a uh, full plate four plus? I'm not sure. I think full plate is a four plus. And heavy armor is a 5+. plus. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, which is the great thing about 6th <laughs> edition. It's like you can have a war machine, but not a ballista. Yeah, that's uh, okay. that, that, that's why I'm not sure, because in uh, the books I'm using, it's basically heavy or light armor, nothing else. So that's why I don't want to give a definite uh, answer to that one. Uh, the bloodlines of Abrash, otherwise known as blood dragons, are basically the jock dragons. So they generate one less power dice than their actual wizarding level. So if you're a level one wizard, you generate one less power dice than one, which, you know, is not great. But your lords and counts can throw armor, can throw magic in full plate, which was pretty special until Chaos got it. Like, I don't know, like they got a free sandwich just for showing up. Anyway, so for my first hero choice for this force, which is the army general, I have Eric the Foolhardy, the mailed fist of Johan, the Crimson Drake. Basically, I call him the Crimson Drake because uh, it's the model I have of Sinocris where he's branching a sword over his head mm-hmm. and he has a blood dragon shield, which I used uh, the candy red on the shield. So. Did you also give him a th- thesaurus? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I have many words for Drake, Dragon, Vivern, the Snakeborn. I could go on. Juan T. Anyway, so... You know what you have to do now, right? Yeah, I have to. Man. With a thesaurus. Yeah. yeah. It's called a scroll of dispelling. Yeah. There's actually a model for the old vampire counts where one of the dudes is just a wizened vampire necrog brandishing a scroll in the air, holding like a dagger in the other one. They really knew what the players were going for. Like, this is your scroll, Jock. Is that one that have an, a rolled up scroll or an extended scroll? No, he has a rolled up scroll and oh. he has a familiar brandishing uh, staff behind him. And he's just yelling. He's the best. You should really get one with a rolled out scroll and you write denied on it. I would, but I, I'm really trying to buy this, like, Necrog one brandishing a scroll in the air, because he looks like Professor Farnsworth as a vampire. <laughs> Good news! Your spell failed! Uh, my vampire thrall, which is a great word, basically, my vampire bitch, uh, he has pretty standard stat line. I won't bore you, but he does have weapon skill 8. Uh, this guy has strength 6 because of his equipment. Toughness 4, 2 wounds, initiative 6. He is a standard vampire thrall with heavy, heavy armor and a shield, so he gets a 3 plus save. No, that's a 4 plus save, right? Yeah, 5 plus and a shield. He has a 4 plus save, and then he has a ring of the night, which is an enchanted option, giving him like a 5 plus word save, nothing special, and a sword of might, which brings him up to a strength 6. I'm going to pop him in a unit of Graveguard. I'm going to go through a bit later. Accompanying him is Fevlum, the Boneborn, which is my second edition uh, Necromancer White dude that I did, like, really long ago. Uh, Seeker of the Licentious Flesh, Ancient of the Weirding Path. Uh, so Fevlam is one of the necromancers that joined Joan the Bloody's cause, and all he really wants is to return back to his flesh. And Joan is sort of humoring him, like, yeah, no, of course I know. Fevlam, my man, it's easy. I'll help you do it. But could you help me out with something first? And he's been serving Joanne the Bloody for 100 years. So on some deep level, he pretty much knows that sooner or later this is going to end. All of my necromancers are backstabbing assholes because I just assume that they think they're better than the vampires. So they try to betray them randomly. So I have a lot of necromancer names just lying around in an Excel spreadsheet here. Uh, <laughs> Fev- Fevlon the Boneborn is a level 2 wizard with a dispel scroll and a power stone. Power stone gives you a plus 2 to the casting and a dispel scroll just dispels what the opponent has. A necromancer 
And I think this is well represented why Zelish only has a movement four. I don't know why. Then they have three through all the stats, except they have one attack. And no save. They're not even wearing, like, I don't know, enchanted robes or something. It's just... Goddamn necromancers. In case you haven't heard me spoken before, I think this should always be a vampire count arm. I'm aware that necromancers usually do magic a lot better, particularly as my blood dragons are not optimized to do magic in any way. They basically have, if magic is a car, my blood dragons have, like, scooters. So, you know. But I think if you play vampire counts, you should have vampires leading the army and being in the army, which is not cost-optimized, but it's really one of the things that attracted me to the army in the beginning, so I'm going to stick true to that theme. So if someone's ever played Warhammer Fantasy and is now yelling at your cell phone, why the fuck doesn't he have more necromancers? And now you know. And the answer is, I am a shitty player by choice. Or a thematic player. Yes, I am a thematic player. How dare anyone else criticize me? Thanks, Chris. So for the core choices, I have three cores. Uh, the first one is the firstborn company of the Free Dead, which is basically 20 skeletons with all light armor, one standard bearer, one captain, and one musician. Skeletons are not great, but I have two blocks of 20 skeletons. When I escalate this army, I have an additional, I think, roughly 30 skeletons more I can squeeze in here because I spoke to Chris before this and I said, oh, I, like, I, I, I could max out one of my units, my army list. And I said, you can max your units out. Skeleton zombies just go up to infinite, which is the way you're supposed to play it. Uh, my third core choice is the Children of the Night. And then I wrote what, what wonderful music they make, which is a Bram Stoker's reference, which is a book, which I don't think anyone reads. Uh, and I have 10 direwolves and one Doomwolf champion. The wolves are super fast. They can Vanguard deploy, and they get plus one strength on the charge. Uh, the Doomwolf champion is basically 10 points for an extra attack, but I did paint one of them as an alpha, which like green magically glowing eyes, so I thought it worked in. I always like the idea that the vampires are sort of decounting the land itself because it ties into being the Fisher King. So they have certain affinity to Sylvania and the lands they settle so they can command the wolves and the bats itself. I am going to get some bat swarms, but like I spoke to Chris, I'm going to get ravens instead because I think it ties into the thematic idea of it. Uh, so I'm going to have large raven swarms just attacking my enemies. Uh, I think I'm going to look at zombie side. Because for mm -hmm. my Dark Eldar, I went there, and I think it might be a good prudent choice. You just have to stack them up a bit. Probably are some really good lines for that. It just takes finding some that are fitting and are not just... Well, if they look wrong, they can look really wrong. Yeah. I could also, like, paint them as carrion birds. Uh, the final thing I have in this army is 10 Graveguard. And this is the former chivalric order of the Flaming Stag, which was the knightly order set to protecting these lands before before my vampire count moved in and set up house. So he's bound them to undeath to forevermore serve him, because that's a vampire count's rule. So I have 10 graveguards, all with shields, uh, one banner, and one bearer of the fury itself, which is what I call my champion. This entire list comes up to exactly 1,000 points. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm going to expand, I'm going to max out this unit of Graveguard, which is going to reach another around roughly 150 points. I'm going to double up on the Skeleton Companies, and then I'm going to add another Necromancer, which is Malif of the Night, he of the Twisted Runes, Bearer of the Rod of the Golden Office, he the Gilded Bat, him, which is basically the Necromancer I'm painting up for the painting challenge. Uh, going up to 2,000 points, I'm going to drop one of the Necromancers and add a Vampire Lord, which is going to be Eric von Karstein himself. So that's the 500 points themselves, basically? Yeah, pretty much. Similar to how Nicholas was going to do it, because he was going to just add in the Serena, because that's 490 points. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's thematic. Sixth edition does go big on heroes. Uh, one might argue 
that for 8th edition and 7th edition, they moved some of the options away from the HQ units over to the troops. But I like it this way. I like And for that one, I'm going to add my uh, Terrorgeist, which I've named the Shriek of Death, the Eater of Children, Breaker of Hope, and the Terror in the Hollows of Man's Eye. Uh, and we spoke to Jimmy, so basically he said, I can just pay the same points that I do for a zombie dragon, because it's not as good as a zombie dragon. And that's 300 points. And a corpse cart, which is just a cart. I am also, for the next painting challenge, if you're listening to this, spoiler, I'm going to do a bone catapult. Because with the forest allotted to me in the Border Prince campaign, I can get one free war engine. My army doesn't have any war engines. I have nothing. So Basically, you're going to take the one that is the bare standard one and use the bone catapult, right? Exactly. Which is, I think, a fourth edition on Dead Sculpt. It's basically wonky skeletons loading up a catapult made of bones with other skulls. Ah, it's just great. And this is something you can do because it's in our campaign, basically. It is. It's just for fun. Uh, the other option is, I think, a ballista or a catapult. But it'll be fun. It's it's going to be like a BS2 catapult, so it's not going to be game-breaking, but it'll be fun. It's probably going to misfire more than it actually accomplishes anything. Just uh, need to model a skeleton with its hands on its head. <laughs> no. Spooky, scary skeletons. No, I'm thinking of actually making like a small uh, pyramid of skulls, because I have a bunch of extra skulls, and just put them next to it. And I can use those as markers for the crew itself. Is that the G-Dub skull kit or anything else? Uh, actually, just generic skulls, oh. and I got the Green Stuff World Flaming Skulls. Ooh, that's nice. Then you could just have them throw Flaming Skulls. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. And I'm also going to use the Flaming Skulls to demark my Necromancers. So some of them will be holding the Burning Skulls with the, the new green spooky color from GW. I think it's called Hexwave Green. And I'm also going to use it to adorn buildings that I get when I buy building kits, which we all will. I mean, we can be coy and play around and try to tease, but we're obviously all going to big build terrain for this. I mean, Jimmy is basically like, I don't know, Jimmy is like some strict Hellenistic god descending from Mount Olympus, gathering onto himself force and then making terrain. It's amazingly <laughs> impressive. Yeah, then you're going to try to besiege his castles with a bone catapult. I am the Loki to his Zeus, and I'm aware these are different pantheons. That's I'm like, I shall seduce your horse. And it's like, I made a world. Bad options. Yeah, so these are my 1,000, 1,500, and 2,000 points. Now, I'd That's like nice. to... Just, thanks. Uh, I'd like to talk just briefly about uh, the painting scheme I'm using to tie it together. It's the, it's, the, it's the classic put paint on hand, dab hand on models, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings when you just put, you dock, dip your hand in white and you smear it over your face. That's how I paint. <laughs> Finger paints is the optimal way, obviously. Uh, no, I'm using the classic red and black from Karstein colors to have on my grave guard. And then I'm using purple, which is traditionally seen as a regal color way back to the Byzantine area because it's so rare. That even wars were even the Romans it. use it. It's called taking the purple. It's only the emperor because they banned it for use for anyone else because the emperor wanted it. Uh, so I'm using the regal purple to denote warlocks, uh, necromancers, and skeletons themselves. So my basic standard bearer has a purple tabard instead of a black and a red one. And my vampire lord will be using purple as the main color. So not just an accentuation. I also have it here and there to demark people who are like champions or musicians or other positions of honor or prestige. For the skeletons, uh, I used blue, red, and yellow, just to denote that these are the broken remnants of former armies who tried to depose uh, Eric and Johan. Uh, as we move on with campaign, if I fight a human opponent, 
I'm probably going to make some new skeletons in the colors of the person I fight. Not to denote that I will win those fights or in some way saying that I will succeed. It's just showing that even though you may break me, I will resurrect your fallen and then be broken again. I'm not a great player. So you're not going to do it for those that are not human then? Ooh. This is going to end up with me buying just 15 cursed companies, isn't it? Nah. Because the elves in that one is uh, high elves. Did you know that way back in 2nd or 3rd edition fantasy, they released a vampire elf model? I need to have a vampire intervention, like a vamptivation or something. Just stopping me from buying more vampire sculpts. Yeah, then you shouldn't really check out the full reaper range then. <sighs> you know I already have some stuff there. So that's sort of mainly the colors choices I've made. Uh, I got a lot of help from both Chris and the other guys, but also mainly from Chris and, help, and giving me a good advice for painting how to paint vampire skin. Uh, vampire skin tones is one of those things we could probably talk about for hours. If you should use blue or purple for accentuation, if you're going more for like undeathly pallor, or if you're going just for like a pale skin. So I chose to go with a more like neutral blue because I think it ties into it and it's a good opposing color on the spectrum against the red armor. I'm using a lot of metallic red, the Spearstone red from Games Workshop and some Tamiya red, which I thin out with alcohol thinner, just to get the metallic red armor. Uh, I'm also using a lot of like, for me, highly advanced glow effects, uh, which basically means I can use my airbrush for some. Who uses an airbrush these days? <laughs> I don't know. Young people. Oh, how I despise them. Well, like everyone but me, it seems, for some reason. But Chris, you're young. Yeah, don't have an airbrush. <laughs> uh, but I spoke to uh, Niklas Ime, and we all agree that if it's a magic item, then some glow effects might be good in moderation. I'm not great with moderations, but I use glow effects. Yeah, but as long as you don't go overboard and cover everything in OSL, usually, it's <laughs> quite, quite good. Uh, beyond that, for this army, uh, there are a lot of things you could add, but I am going to do a unit of Black Knights which is basically skeleton on skeleton horses. Uh, and I'm going to do uh, actually a horse riding blood dragon as well. And that's going to be like my quick reaction force. So it's just going to be like vampiric horsemen. and Well, not vampiric horsemen. Those came in some edition. Just some undead horsemen with a vampire leading them and some heavy foot soldiers. It's just going to be the elite quick reaction force. Uh, I did actually, I haven't told anyone else in the podcast or ever hearing it new, I did manage to buy yesterday some of the out-of-production Von Karstein shield kits. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, I got two sets, so I'm going to use them for my graveguard. And uh, some vampire... Some uh, vampire dogs of war, maybe? Mm-hmm, who knows? Or just uh, uh, Sylvanian Levy or Sylvanian Militia. Yeah, that's true. I think I'm going to use the peasant archers for Bretonia for Sylvanian Militia. Nice. Yeah, I do have like 20 of them. I was thinking of trying to sell them on, but nobody wants to buy them, so more the fools. Are they the multi-part kit or the monopose ones? <laughs> oh, Chris, you know the answer to that, don't you? Okay, which ones of the monopose ones are? <laughs> oh, you know the answer to that too, the shittiest ones. <laughs> it's the only ones I could get. Yeah, that's because I think everyone bought a box of those and a box of the widows once and they never just got gone away. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have So, like, aesthetic choices for the Vampire Counts army. Uh, if you can freehand then you should really learn how to do either a coiled snake, uh, a dragon in flambant, which is basically flying, uh, or just a sword on a black background. If you can freehand these things, you can do a great army. Uh, for people who can't, like me, you can actually buy pre-produced shield kits from Gale Force 9 or from uh, Green Stuff World. So they actually have molded parts on them. 
I'm going to try and ask some of my friends in this podcast to maybe freehand some banners for me. Otherwise, I'm going to take some of the old decals I have at home for Space Marines. And there's actually an army I have for Warhammer 30k, which is basically all about skulls and wings and stuff with skulls and wings and the Grim Reaper. So I think I'm going to cut them up and use for banners. I think you should cut up those minis and use for banners. <laughs> is this because I cut up my skeletons to use for a banner for them? Yep. You demand restitution? I mean, it's uh, nothing else than just the right thing to do. No, but I think that's a good good idea, just uh, reusing stuff. Even if you don't have... if you Otherwise, I just have piles of stuff that never get used or thrown away. I'm entirely correct. And that's also the thing with uh, just, uh, like, decals or transfers, depending on what you want to call them. You can always find the new uses for them. They don't have Definitely. to be used uh, in uh, the same setting or game or use a sharp blade and cut them up and maybe rearrange them or... Just put them in another context and they still fit. Yeah, and you can always like combine different decal kits to get a really unique unique look. Uh, yeah, uh, just I guess uh, from one thing to the other. When we play a edition, which we might do, I've gotten a couple of stuff from the a edition range, like a mortis thrown on the way and a corpse cart and Vardagulf and stuff like that. Shout out to Tim Carublo from mm. Eye of Horses, who actually I did I say Eye of Horses. Yeah, that's that's probably the name of the podcast, isn't it? If he doesn't like it, he should come to Sweden and fight my undead army with his own. Yeah. You've been called out. We'll put the link to the, that podcast in the show notes. <laughs> Eyes of horses. I'm suck. I'm sorry. No, uh, shout out to Tim Krublin for tipping me off about the Vargulf, which is basically, it's a vampire who has transgressed through his, uh, the limitations of madness. So now he's just a fighting monster. So I got two of those on the way as well. Uh, they're basically heavy shock Monstrous creatures. Mm-hmm. So if we play 8th edition, I can use them. I also have, like I mentioned, the Terrorgeist, the Eater of Children, which I think is a really snappy name, as well as a Mortis Throne. And when we play 8th edition, I'm basically going to play the same army. Huge, huge squads of skeletons, huge squads of grave guards, but also some ghouls. I'm not using ghouls in 6th edition because they are truly wonky. Mm-hmm. Truly wonky. Because... They're living, aren't they? Yeah. But how about uh, zombie pirate? Ooh. Yeah, I, I've made a choice to keep away from zombies because I can't imagine hand painting or even airbrush painting like 20 plus models, just skin. How about giant uh, zombie jungle bats that carries zombies with guns? Yeah, I might go for that. They're called fell bats, by the way. We might have to do a Lustra campaign sometime soon. So. Yeah, we should. No, so that's it. Uh, the sixth edition list for vampire counts is pretty limited. The things I have omitted is banshees, uh, like the the wraith, stuff like that. But that's because I have the models, but I can't really see a way of fitting them in thematically. If I do roll up a crypt or something similarly spooky mm-hmm. in this campaign, uh, I will actually buy a crypt trinket, and then I will make a list that contains uh, wraiths, uh, banshees, and some spirit hosts. And it's basically going to be a Stegoi Ghoul King awakening the dead and having the ghosts themselves fight. I do have a named uh, Stregoi Ghoul King character, and it's basically a monster that is tolerated by Eric von Karstein and is truly grateful being allowed to live here. So he's going to get all, like, the dirty work. The best part would probably be if you got, like, a Golden Ekrark or the Lamians, if you want to do spirits. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good idea. So if maybe if you want to do another bloodline later on. Yeah. Uh, right now, I have models to do the Von Karstein bloodline and the Blood Dragons and mm-hmm. Strigoi. 
the ones I do not have is Necrarch, which for you who don't know is basically wizened old vampire wizards, and Lamia, which is seductive female vampires. I think these uh, are the archetypes that can be found in every vampire lore. Yeah, I mean, and I like how certain bloodlines just boost certain attributes because a Lamian vampire lord would have initiative 10. You've played the game more than me. Do you ever need initiative 10? So that is the Sally of Johan the Bloody, uh, which is my initial army. I'm having a lot of fun because I'm loving the old sculpts. And coming up, you'll see a lot more vampire models from me, but probably also come December and onwards, some wood elves. I'm looking forward to doing wood elves because we, if we play 7th or 8th edition, I can have one character who costs 24 points. No, one model. And that means if I have a unit of horsemen, it can be 250 points. And <laughs> that is equivalent of 42 skeletons. So if anyone listening to this owns old Necrarch or Lamia vampire models, Tell me. Just send me a message, dude. Just send me a message. Nobody has to know, okay? It's cool. And I think that's all for me right now. It was interesting to hear your army, I must say. And I hope the listeners think the same. Yeah, and if you have any questions about my weird-ass army, just ask me. Or if you want to see some fluff. Because uh, the 6th edition army book is magnificent to work with. Mm-hmm. I actually learned something new while scrounging eBay. Uh, there, was release, there was a model released for the Lamian Vampire Range which is uh, basically the female vampire, like I said. I don't know how to say this. It's basically a nude vampire. She has no top on and just like a loincloth. And she is standing and like seductively, I guess, pointing. And this model was never released instead of some countries because it was too explicit. So the cast was sent back and you can still buy it, but it wasn't released everywhere. And that was like one of the two only sculpts that they released for the Lamias. It was a foundry kit, wasn't it? I'm sorry, what was? I found a picture of it, I'm sorry. What no, it was a foundry kit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So you had to order it. Yeah. I mean, stuff was strange back in the days, but I remember that, like, coming into the store, hi, I'd like to order a vampire hand. And you're <laughs> like, okay, kid, here's our catalog of 58 pages where you want to buy everything but have the money for nothing. Gazy upon these works and despair. Oh, yeah, and that, like, vampire chick who's naked had, like, a cat rubbing up against her leg. Speaking of limited miniatures, yeah, I really wish they would put those up for, well, they're made to order anytime. Oh, yeah. And maybe not, because some of them were so limited they were actually not released other than, like, promo models or Malekith on foot or Malus Darkblade on foot and those kind of models. Yeah, and, like, the limited game day models, like uh, Christoph Colombo had an alternative sculpt. There's an, I think there's an Elector Count model that wasn't released otherwise. And I know mm-hmm. there's a White Wolf Tutigen Guard Captain released. Yeah, and then there's, well, the game's day models, otherwise the one with the Slayer standing on top of a demon's head. They do those as well. There's also, we shouldn't forget, there's also the, for the, what's it called, you know this, the Mmorpiger. Oh yeah, the, whatever it's called, and the Goblin. Yeah, yeah, they released a couple of characters that shipped with ex- the exclusive edition of the game that had, like, rules. They still have that orc, actually. Yeah, the rules were insane, like, really good. Because remember, my friend rolled up with, like, some high elf character, and even among high elf characters, it was, it was standing tall. It would not die. 
Uh, also, to those of you following this podcast purely for financial reasons, the high elf currency has destabilized. And once again, you can get a high elf army for less than 500 kroners or 50 euros. Ooh. Yes. Uh, wise investments right now is in ogre kingdoms and in the rare dwarf scops going to second edition and backwards. Now back from our financial statement to Christopher. That's a good one. Yeah, and another thing you can buy, apparently, I don't know how, you can buy uh, wood elf battalions. Because yeah, I got two of them. For some reason. I don't know how. It's like, it's really good value too. Yeah, there's still decent models. I don't know when this episode is coming out, but if you're going to Borås Spiel Convent... It will, be, our, out, it will be out before then, I think. Oh, yeah, probably. Or to our international listeners, Borås uh, Convent for uh, Spiel, ga- gaming. Yes, the game. Yes, in Borås. And we will probably be there and play some fancy as well. I say without arranging anything. <laughs> Just troll around and do the secret handshake and we'll play with you. So that's all I have. We should probably round off. Yes. If you've had fun listening to this, don't hesitate to call in. If you need to look for someone to play in your local region, uh, just sound off. If you're in Sweden and in Stockholm, Gävle or some other place, just uh, send a message and we'll play with you. We'll see you in our next regular episode. See you in our next regular episode. And thanks for listening. There's a real genuine passion for the hobby. And I'm really glad that people are really contributing and sending in messages. You're a fan and you're a great person. And thanks for joining us. Time may have ended. And the realm of elves, dwarf and man shattered. But in our hearts, the old world lives.